It's that time again, and we thank you for joining us for another week of worship on the Kingdom Building Podcast, brought to you by the St. John Missionary Baptist Church in Richmond, California, where Dr. Kevin B. Hall is our pastor. This week, the journey down memory lane continues to the year 2017 with another memorable sermon from Pastor Hall entitled, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. While you yet remain standing, there is a word we need to pick up from where we left off on last Sunday. John chapter 1, verse 50. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Again, Jesus said, Thou shalt see greater things than these. I need to teach, preach the message entitled, You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Look at somebody and just say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. You may be seated. For some people who need some good English, I'll say you have not seen anything yet. (laughs) Some people have been around long enough to believe that they have seen it all. These individuals will tell you that there is nothing new under the sun. These individuals are skeptics when it comes to anything they have not seen. Today I stand to say to even the Uh, Though those who believe that they have seen it all, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) This sermonic title is the same concept that Jesus conveyed to Nathaniel in John chapter 1 verse 50 in the B portion. On last Sunday, we witnessed how Philip told Nathaniel to come and see. When Nathaniel asked, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? We saw that in verse 46. When uh, Philip said, come and see, Nathaniel took Philip's advice. Nathaniel had to come and see for himself. We read about Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus in verses 47 through 51. And as I stated, we completed verse 46 on last Sunday. So uh, let's walk through verses 47 through 51. It's in verse 47 where it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, 
Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Now remember, my beloved, uh, it was on last Sunday when Philip did invite uh, uh, Nathaniel, when Philip did talk to Nathaniel about Jesus. Uh, and Nathaniel decided to do exactly what Philip uh, suggested. Uh, now the Bible says in verse 47 uh, that Jesus saw Nathaniel. Nathaniel when he was approaching him. And that's interesting because we need to recognize that Jesus sees our every move. When Jesus saw him approaching him, he uh, then uh, spoke. He then addressed him and he said, Behold an Israelite indeed. Uh, when Jesus said, Behold an Israelite indeed, he was saying to Nathaniel that you are not just born in Israel, but you have all of the religious values of Israel. In other words, Jesus was saying to Nathaniel that you are real. And that's the reason why Jesus followed with the comment, in whom is no guile, meaning there's no deceit about you. There is nothing phony about you. There is nothing that's hypocritical about you. Uh, Jesus recognized in Nathaniel that Nathaniel was authentic authentic that Nathaniel was bonafide. It's in verse 48 where it reads, Nathaniel saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? I mean, this is my first time encountering you, so how do you know so much about me? Can I just make a point of application uh, to each of us that uh, Jesus knows us better than what we know ourselves. <laughs> you know, it amazes me sometimes how uh, I come to the point of, of seeing something about me that I did not even know existed. Isn't it amazing how we think we know ourselves? But we really do not know ourselves like we think we do. Fact of the matter, uh, it's interesting how we can go through something and the way we handle that situation can surprise us uh, about ourselves. Be careful uh, uh, when you say you would never say certain things or never do certain things. Uh, you don't know what you might say in a certain situation or what you might do in a certain situation. But again, the point I want all of us to recognize is just like we never know everything about somebody else, we also do not know everything about ourselves. Fact of the matter, we're always changing, even though we might not want to change. We are constantly changing. We are constantly evolving into something different. Uh, we're no longer what we were 10 years ago, let alone when we were born. Every one of us sitting in here once upon a time uh, was a baby. But physically, we're not babies anymore. Why? Because we have changed. Are, are y'all listening to me? 
Jesus said to this man uh, uh, something that made the man uh, ask the question, whence knowest thou me? Now look at Jesus' answer. He said, uh, he said to him, before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, we, we recognize that, that when uh, Jesus found Philip, do y'all remember that the other Sunday? Amen. When Jesus found Philip, Philip had to go find Nathaniel. Uh, the Bible says, are you following me? The Bible says in verse 43 where, where Jesus found Philip and he told him, follow me. And then we see in verse 45 where Philip went to go find Nathaniel. What we did not know in verse 45 that we learn about in verse 48 is uh, where Nathaniel was uh, when Philip went to find him. Amen. So now we know that when Philip went to find Nathaniel, Nathaniel was under a fig tree. Now, in those days, it was a common practice for people who uh, were devout uh, to, to uh, meditate under trees such as a fig tree. So by Nathaniel being a, a true Israelite indeed, uh, let's just say perhaps a religious man. I didn't say saved because you recognize uh, you can be religious but not saved. Uh, but uh, by him perhaps uh, and probably being a religious man, uh, he's probably meditating under this fig tree. But hear this, uh, while he was meditating under the fig tree, uh, he saw no man until Philip came his way. Are you listening to me? But what's really amazing now is that he saw no man other than Philip, which means he did not see Jesus, uh, yet Jesus is telling him, I saw you. Y'all didn't see that. I had an old, I remember one time back in the day when I was uh, attending a Bible college and there was an old preacher in the class and, and I never will forget what he said to us and we were young teenage preachers then. Uh, he said to us, he said, uh, be careful how you go around thinking that everything is all right because you don't see anybody. He said, just because you don't see folk, that don't mean folk don't see you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening to me? So it's amazing here where Jesus is uh, letting Nathaniel know, uh, I saw you even though you did not see me. And, and after Jesus told him about his uh, surroundings, Nathaniel in verse 49 answered and said, Rabbi, meaning teacher, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Uh, I'm impressed with how these individuals, after they experienced Jesus, they were able to identify his character. Back up to verse 41, where in verse 41, uh, we saw on last Sunday when uh, 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 Andrew experienced Jesus, he went and told his brother Peter, and, and he let Peter know that, that we have found the Messiah. 
Are you still with me? Uh, down in verse 45, when Philip went and found Nathaniel, uh, Philip had to tell Nathaniel, we have found the one of whom Moses in the law and the prophet spoke and wrote about, uh, and, and it's Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the son of Joseph. Can I teach, preach up in here? So now in verse 49, we have Nathaniel who has come to see for himself, uh, and he has declared uh, after Jesus told him, I saw you when you did not see me. Uh, uh, he says, uh, you are the son of God. You are not only the son of man, but you are the son of God. The son of God denotes his deity, the son of God, denotes the God side of him, Nathaniel recognized for Jesus to see him, even though Jesus physically was nowhere around, he had to be more than just a human being. So Nathaniel is declaring that you are the son of God, but you're also the king of Israel, which denotes that I am on board too in saying that you are the Messiah. Every time in the New Testament, uh, we come across individuals uh, who experience Jesus as the Messiah. That is something we need to highlight uh, because there were a lot of people who did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, which is the reason today there are people who are still waiting on the Messiah to come. Uh, but what they fail to recognize uh, is the Messiah came over 2,000 thousand years ago. So I feel sorry for individuals uh, who are still anticipating uh, the Messiah to come because here this is, he has already come, which means uh, when he comes the next time, uh, he's coming uh, in the clouds uh, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's in verse 50 where it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Uh, what Jesus is saying, you already believing in me, and, and, and I just told you one simple thing. And he said, and basically what Jesus said, if, if you believe in me just based on the simplicity of what I just said, he said, you're going to see some greater things than these. Are you listening to me? In other words, Jesus was saying to him in verse 50, if you believe already, you ain't seen nothing yet. I wish I could teach preach up in here. It's in verse 51, which we hope to uh, conclude with. Uh, and it said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open. Those of you taking notes, uh, uh, I want you to underline that part, heaven open, because I'll come back to this later. Uh, whenever you see the concept heaven open, uh, it denoted uh, blessings and miracles coming down from heaven. Amen. He said, the angels of God, messengers of God, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Again, in verse 50, the B portion, Jesus says, thou shalt see greater things than these. Everybody repeat those words. Thou shalt see greater things 
than these. Hear this, my beloved. In other words, Jesus was saying to Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus' message to Nathaniel is the same message to believers today. You ain't seen nothing yet. Here's the key idea for today's message, and I like to develop it at least in a threefold manner. Uh, God wants to do something for you. Amen. Is that good news for somebody? Is there anybody in here who needs God to do something for you? <laughs> you need God to do it. Oh, yes. Well, well I, need, I need you to know God wants to do something for you. What does God want to do? First of all, God wants to do something new in your life. Amen. Everybody say something new. People are worn out with the old. Now, listen well. This is not to say that the old is bad. So much that is old is better than what is new. Did y'all hear that? For example, some old cars are better than some new cars. <laughs> Uh, some old homes are better than some new homes. Some old jobs are better than some new jobs. Some, some old money <laughs> is better than some new money. Some old music uh, is better than some uh, new music. Uh, some, some old beliefs uh, are better than some new beliefs. Some, some old churches are better than uh, some new churches. Uh, I am only trying to acknowledge that everything old is not necessarily bad. However, some areas that are old need to be replaced by some new areas. Teach, Pastor. Some beliefs that are old need to be replaced by some new beliefs. Some, some experiences that are old need to be replaced by some new experiences. People are worn out out with the old that needs to be replaced by something new. The same old thing is discouraging and often annoying if it is no longer effective. So I'm declaring that everything old is not bad, but there are some things that old that's old that needs to be replaced. Are y'all listening to me? If, if you are in need of some spice in your life, and I want you to just examine yourself because uh, some of us uh, can become stale in our own situations, which means, uh, here there's a whole lot of us got a whole lot going on in our life, but, but we need some spice. Come on and talk back to me. <laughs> so I'm saying if you are in need of some spice in your life, uh, this is a sermon you need to hear. Can I help somebody? God wants to do something new in your life. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always, uh, I enjoy 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 17, which says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Here, this old things are passed away. Uh, behold, all things are become new. Uh, uh, something new automatically begins to happen uh, when people are in Christ. Uh, 
You, you don't have to make it happen. Uh, uh, yes, it automatically happens because Paul said uh, all things are become new. Now watch the word become because uh, become suggests uh, uh, that they don't happen instantly but progressively they happen in other words in time people usually get excited when they get something new as a child hear this a new toy was exciting well, hear this. As adults, a new car can be exciting. A, a new house can be exciting. A, a new job can be exciting. A, a new relationship can be exciting. A, a new church can be exciting. A, again, excitement should be the result uh, of something new. Uh, more than everything mentioned, uh, we should become excited whenever God does something new in our life. And recognize uh, he's constantly doing something new, which means that when God does something new in our lives, uh, I wonder what will it take if we still don't get excited? Oh yes, our excitement should be contagious. Others should be able to see it. When you have the joy of the Lord, this is something that you can't keep to yourself. I see that brother back there, he's just going at it. I like it, amen, because uh, when you're excited, just like I saw him uh, all the way here, he's sitting way in the back, I saw him moving. When you are excited, other folks should be able to see it. Why have excitement, uh, but at the same time, look like nothing's going on? Are y'all listening to me? I mean, if you're really excited, why look calm, cool, and collective? If you're really excited, why try to sit there and try to have poise and be pretty? If you are excited, you ought to act like you're excited. Is anybody excited to be alive this morning? Is, is there anybody excited to have breath in your body? You know what, brothers and sisters, I have encountered uh, uh, people as well as animals that, that struggle just having breath. Uh, and it helps me to appreciate breath because, hear this, uh, you can have all the things in this world, uh, but if you have a problem breathing, uh, you can't even enjoy those things. Uh, if you have a problem breathing, uh, you can't even hardly move about. Uh, I'm saying to everybody in here this morning, uh, we are alive and we have breath uh, and the breath came from God uh, because we recognize uh, that when we were as a corpse uh, when God made us from the dust of the ground he breathed into our nostrils uh, the breath of life uh, and then we became uh, a living soul uh, I love what the psalm writer said uh, when he concluded uh, the book of psalm by saying uh, let everything that hath breath uh, praise the Lord I appreciate it 
did. When I entered into this sanctuary, the choir was singing the way they were singing. But what was so good is that I did not have to get up here and encourage others to join in because it was all evident in the sanctuary. Not only was the choir praising God, but all of us in here were praising God. What should we do? We should praise the Lord. When we're in the house of the Lord, this is not a time to daydream. This is not a time to be frustrated. This is not a time to be thinking about our problems. But this is a time to praise the Lord. Can I tell somebody up in here that this is the day that the Lord has made? I will rejoice and be glad in it. You got a reason to praise God. He watched over you all last night. You got a reason to praise God. He woke you up this morning. You got a reason to praise God. You're still clothed in your right mind. Others should be able to see it. But not only should others be able to see it, others should be able to feel it. If what is real is on the inside, hear this, uh, you can't keep it to yourself. If what is real on the inside is going to go from heart to heart. See, I grew up under those old saints who used to talk about an old religion that were, uh, when you had that fire burning on the inside, it would just move from heart to heart. That's the reason why, hear this, I'm careful uh, about making statements such as church was dead because if that was true, which is not the case, uh, but if that was true, uh, that's a reflection of myself uh, because it only takes one fire to set the woods on fire so when we talk about something being dead if we got so much fire on the inside amen the fire on us the fire in us ought to touch that person next to us and then it's going to touch the person next to him and it's going to touch the person behind her do I have a witness in here and one thing about fire you can't sit on fire and be still you can't sit on fire and be quiet when the fire is burning on the inside Inside, you got to open your mouth, you got to move your hands, you got to move your feet, you got to move your body. Can I get some help up in here? Secondly, God wants to do something nice in your life. I told you first you want to do something new, but also something nice. Look at somebody say, just, just say something nice. God's blessings are never nasty. Whenever God blesses someone, the blessing is always nice. Anybody a witness to what I'm saying? I heard the deacon say, I know you're right. Is anybody else in here can say, I know you're right? God's blessings are always nice. Because God is nice. Teach, Pastor. If you want to see how nice God is, obey his commands. If you want to see how nice God is, humble yourself under his mighty hand. If you want to see how nice God is, lead people to Jesus Christ. If you want to see how nice God is, give him the glory. 
And since I've already declared that this worship is all about a worship and praise, we don't have to wait till later. Somebody ought to go ahead and give him some glory. In order for God to do something nice in our life, we must be nice. Teach, Pastor. When people are not nice, they cannot expect God to do something nice in their life. This explains why nice things do not come some people's way. When we observe how people all around us are experiencing something nice, uh, but nothing nice happens to us, uh, then maybe this is because uh, we are not nice. Can I help somebody? We have to be nice in order to be blessed with something nice. Moreover, take it here, Pastor. Uh, we have to be nice in order to be blessed with someone nice. Amen. Not only something nice, but also someone nice. Catch this. God would not be God if he blessed some of us with someone nice. This would be unfair to the other person. So you take a person who's always saying, I'm waiting on the right person. Well, hear this. That person might be waiting a long time because God is saying, before I can even consider giving you the right person, you got to first be the right person. Come on and praise God for that truth. <laughs> Being nice is evidence of being spirit-filled. Work on that, Pastor. I hear a lot of folk uh, talk about what it means to be spirit-filled. Most of the talk that I hear associates uh, being spirit-filled with doing the extraordinary. Doing the extraordinary is a byproduct of being spirit-filled, so I'm not denying it. In other words, uh, when God works through a believer to do what is supernatural, this does signify that the believer is spirit-filled. If God is working through that individual to do it, uh, yes, that individual is spirit-filled. But catch this. Uh, moreover, being nice is a great sign uh, of being spirit-filled. So not only doing the extraordinary, but being nice. I know a lot of Christians uh, who profess to be spirit-filled, uh, but they are not nice. When I encounter people who profess to be spirit-filled but are evil, mean, and nasty, this neglect negates their claim. How can we say that we are full of the Holy Ghost when we are evil, mean, and nasty? Come on and talk back to me, somebody. And I'm preaching to us right now because they hear this. Uh, uh, we, uh, we, we profess to be one thing, but the big question is, do we really possess uh, what we profess? Again, being nice is a strong indicator that we are spirit-filled. When believers are spirit-filled, we walk in the spirit. 
The evidence that we are walking in the Spirit uh, is our constant manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and when we taught and preached through the, the fruit of the Spirit some time ago, uh, one of the things we learned in its context uh, is that the fruit of the Spirit is a result of walking in the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is not something that you can just put on, uh, but it automatically flows uh, when you're walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the spirit is a major indicator of being filled with the spirit so a lot of people are trying to prove that they're filled by the spirit uh, by doing what is extraordinary but a greater sign that you are filled with the spirit is when people can see it in your walk more so than what you talk uh, in your walk meaning the fruit of the spirit Teach, Pastor. The fruit of the Spirit consists of nine components. Uh, one of the components of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Uh, well, gentleness uh, means to be kind. Uh, gentleness uh, means to be nice. Uh, so hear this, my beloved. Let's practice being nice so that God can do something nice in our lives. Uh, if you want, uh, uh, you need God to do something really nice in your life. Uh, well, what I'm saying to to you and I, and I'm speaking to myself today also, in order for God to do something nice for us, uh, we're going to have to be nice, uh, and I'm not saying just be nice on occasions, uh, I'm not saying just be nice on Sunday, I'm not saying just be nice when it's going well, but we got to make it our practice uh, on a daily basis uh, to be nice. Uh, now, if we're nice daily, God is going to be nice daily to us. Uh, come on and praise him on that note. Uh, here, here's something, here's something. Uh, whenever God does something nice in our lives, nothing can compare with it. Oh, yes, I love that son. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Well, nothing can compare with it because everything that is nice, which comes from God, is marvelous. I just want, I want that to marinate for a moment. I'm saying right now, whenever God does something nice in our lives, uh, there is absolutely nothing that can compare with it. Uh, and the reason why nothing can compare with what God does nice for us, uh, because everything that God does that's nice, uh, it is marvelous. Let me, let me just walk through the Bible. I'm not going to do it real. I'm not going to use every example. Just let me just pull a few examples out of the Bible. God did something nice for Noah through the ark. And this was marvelous. God did something nice for Moses through the Red Sea. And this was marvelous. God did something nice for Joshua through the Jordan River. And this was marvelous. God did something nice for David through the slingshot. <laughs> and this was marvelous. God did something marvelous for Jonah through the whale. And this was marvelous. Let me make it more relevant. God did something nice for the world through the cross. And this was marvelous. <laughs> And, and, and since I'm there, can I go there now? <laughs> Amen. I think I told you on last Sunday, I don't have to wait to the conclusion to talk about the cross. Since, since I'm there right now, can I go there now? <laughs> 
Amen. I, I, I know we like to shout at the end of the sermon about the cross, but, but do I have to wait till I get to the end to talk about the cross? Let me say it one more time. I gave you some examples of, of how whatever God does that's nice, it is marvelous. Well, I made the statement that God did something nice for the world, not just St. John, not just for Richmond, not just California, not just the United States, but God did something nice for the world. You do remember John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Didn't say just a particular part of the world, but the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Say it again, Kevin. God did something nice for the world, and he did it through the cross. And this was marvelous. It's marvelous when we think about the cross. It's not, I'm not talking about the cross on his right. I'm not talking about the cross on his left. But I'm talking about the cross that was in the middle. I'm talking about the man that hung on that cross in the middle. It's marvelous when we think about what God did for us. Because it was on the cross where we first saw the light. It was on the cross where our sins became forgiven. It was on the cross where a redemption took place. It was on the cross where we had another chance to the tree of life. My brothers and sisters, as long as I live, as long as I have breath in my body, I have to preach about the cross. I have to tell people about Jesus who died, Jesus who's buried, Jesus who got up early Sunday morning, Jesus who ascended, and Jesus who's coming back one day for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. I got to talk about Jesus every time I open my mouth. And if you know the cross was marvelous to you, go ahead and give God some praise for the cross. Let me say thirdly, thirdly and lastly, God wants to do something needed in your life. New, nice, and needed. Say that everybody, new, nice, and needed. We should always recognize the difference between what we want and what we need. Are you listening to me? Actually, you do recognize that even the 23rd Psalm, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word want in the Hebrew really meant a need. Are you still there? Often what we want has gotten us into a lot of trouble. Oh, yes. In other words, what we want is not always what we need. And what we want, talk back to me has gotten a lot of us into trouble. All right, I only got about three people, so maybe, uh, maybe I should have just made a personal statement and said, in my lifetime, I, I have experienced some trouble because of getting what I wanted. Anybody can relate to what I'm talking about. <laughs> Whenever what we want gets us into trouble, this means that it was not good for us. For example, every man that a woman wants might not be good for her. Come on, I heard men saying amen, but some women. <laughs> okay, all right, do I need to shake somebody? 
Uh, I'll say it one more time. I got an amen over there. All right, y'all, y'all trying to be modest. I see what's happening here. All right. If you amen too loudly, you're just going to let somebody know that you, you know, you, you've been there. Well, it's all right. So I'm going to say it one more time. Every man that a woman wants might not be good for her. Oh, all right. Y'all here. Y'all here. Y'all here. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, let me put this one out here. <laughs> Amen. I'm a, a brother, let me give us a chance to respond. Every woman that a man wants, he ain't manning already. <laughs> Every woman that a man wants might not be good for him. Oh, so again, all of our wants are not always good for us. Can we agree on that, everyone? God is so good that he promises to supply every need of ours. God often gives us many of our wants, but he promises to supply every need of ours. I like uh, Philippians 4.19, but I like to read it in the ESV version where it says, And my God shall supply every need of yours. I know the King James Version says, All of your need. Uh, yes, and, and, and really King James is not, it, it sounds like bad English, but he was really translating from that Greek because that Greek, it does need, is singular. So that's why I like the way the ESV says it, Every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Supplying every need of believers is one of the promises of God. Sometimes God is hindered. I want y'all to catch this and those of you taking notes get me real correct on here. Sometimes God is hindered from doing something needed in our lives because our wants are in the way. <laughs> I, got, I got two deacons who caught that. Amen. I see you in the back. You got it. Amen. Well, I'm going to say it again so everybody can get it. Uh, sometimes God is hindered. Doesn't say he can't do it, but it's, it's making it uncomfortable for him. Sometimes God is hindered from doing something needed in our lives because our wants are in the way. Catch this, everybody. The wants we choose can hinder our needs from being met. When we make bad choices, and notice I didn't say if because all of us in here have made some bad choices. So when we make bad choices, we often have to live with the consequences teach pastor. Well, the consequence of uh, bad choices uh, can stand in the way of God supplying our needs. Uh, there, here's a good example. Ananias and Sapphire, you read about them in the book of Acts, uh, made a bad choice by holding back part of what they were supposed uh, to present to God. I need some Bible readers in here. <laughs> Death was the consequence of their bad choice of holding back 
part uh, of what they were supposed to present to God. The consequence of death stood in the way of God supplying their needs on a daily basis. In other words, God could no longer supply their needs continuously because of their punishment of death. Do y'all hear what I'm trying to say? I'm only trying to get us to see that sometimes our wants can hinder God from supplying our needs because our wants have a way of getting in the way. Perhaps to make it relevant for us, two points of application are needed here. First of all, robbing God of, of what belongs to him is always dangerous. Ananias and Sapphire died because they robbed God uh, of what belonged to him. Uh, as believers, y'all feel it coming. Huh? Our tithes and offerings uh, belong to him. Uh, if you don't believe it, you read Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. Uh, when we rob God of tithes and offerings, uh, God says uh, we become cursed with the curse. Uh, in Ananias and Sapphire's case, uh, the curse was death. Uh, uh, when we bring our tithes and offerings to God, uh, uh, he promised uh, to open for us uh, the windows of heaven uh, and pour us out a blessing uh, that there shall not be room uh, enough uh, to receive it. Uh, that is the word of God. Uh, now hear this. I teach in a new life class uh, because when people come to the Lord, uh, they usually don't know anything about tithes and offerings. Uh, and I let them know this is something that they will grow into because some individuals, uh, once they accept Christ, uh, they might not be financially in a position to start tithing. But as we grow in the Lord uh, and as the Lord blesses us, uh, that's why I say to individuals, if you're not tithing, do your best, uh, but pray that God will bless you to be able to tithe. And then once he blesses you to be able to tithe, you want to do it. You think you're doing all right now. I had a gentleman some years ago uh, who was doing very well, and he told me, I'm doing well, and I don't tithe. And I told him, you would do so much better if you were tithing. But the danger is, uh, it's only so long uh, that you can keep playing with God uh, to be in a position where you're doing well, but you're robbing him. It's one thing to rob man, but how can you rob God? How can you rob the hand that's feeding you? How can you rob the one you're talking to in prayer? How can you rob the one that gives you breath? How can you rob the one that gives you life? How can you rob the one that has stood by you through the thick and the thin? Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Secondly, in order for God to do something needed, we must get rid of all the clutter in our lives. Oh, Pastor, you need to go there. God can do something needed in our lives when our lives are clutter-free. Uh, everybody say clutter-free. Some of us have so much clutter that we should be embarrassed for anyone to take a hard look at us. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, hear this. All space. I'm, I'm not trying to meddle, but I want everybody to listen. All space does not have to be filled. Sounds like you're meddling, Pastor, but go ahead and say it. For example, every space in our house does not have to be occupied. When every space in our house is occupied, this is called clutter. Some people are almost suffocating in their own place of living because they have too much clutter. 
Are y'all listening to me? Our lives can be clutter-free. I'm touching home with somebody. I said our lives can be clutter-free by always eliminating what we do not need. For example, I try to make sure the inbox of my computer only has emails that are current and needed. When I receive emails that are junk, and those of us who know something about what I'm talking about, you know, on a daily basis, we get a whole lot of junk mail. Well, when I receive emails that are junk or no longer needed, I I delete them from my inbox, and I also delete them from my trash are y'all listening to me I do this because I do not need junk emails to get in the way of me seeing relevant emails I know I'm touching home right now if we want God to do something needed in our lives we need to delete the clutter this was the prophet Isaiah's message to Hezekiah when King Isaiah visited excuse me prophet Isaiah visited King Hezekiah he told him to set his house in order because he was about to die. That's in 2 Kings 20 and 1. In other words, he told him to delete the clutter from his life since death was knocking at his door. Some house cleaning is needed in all of our lives. We cannot effectively clean the clutter from our own house if we're going to be busybodies meddling in the clutter of somebody else's house. Preach, Kevin. Again, the clutter must be deleted if we want God to do something needed in our lives. Come on and praise God for that. I, I, I need to do this a couple more times. So if you got it right now, go ahead and show it by your prayer. Today's message is entitled, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Based on John 1 and 50, the key idea, God wants to do something new for you. We discussed three ways uh, uh, what uh, God wants to do in your uh, life. Uh, One, God wants to do something new in your life. Two, God wants to do something nice in your life. Three, God wants to do something needed in your life. You ain't seen nothing yet until you see heaven open. I'm bringing it home now. Do y'all remember in verse 51? I got to conclude with that. Where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open. Y'all remember that part? And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And remember, I share with you, heaven open denotes blessings and miracles. Are you still with me? And then when it says here, angels ascending uh, and descending, catch this for those of you taking notes, uh, angels ascending, that uh, kind of denotes uh, bringing our burdens up. Angels descending, it denotes bringing our blessings down. All night, talk back to me. All day. (laughs) The angels keep watching over me. But you ain't seen nothing yet until we see Jesus, the Son of Man, appear. Because you do remember at the end of that verse, it says the angels of God, they are ascending and descending. But who are they descending on? The Son of Man. Are y'all still with me, everybody? 
My brothers and my sisters, uh, in verse 51, we learn that we see heaven open. Remember, heaven open means, uh, denotes, uh, yes, uh, a shower of blessings uh, and miracles. Uh, and I think I need to make this relevant as I conclude. Touch somebody and say, he's about to conclude. A shower of blessings and miracles is coming somebody's way. I, I just need, I, 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 need to, I need to leave on that note right there. Uh, yes, and, and, and if, that's, if that's good news to somebody in here, go ahead and show it by your praise. Uh, I said a shower. A shower of blessings and miracles is coming somebody's way. Now catch this. Whenever a shower of rain is predicted, I usually prepare by dressing properly. I usually prepare by making sure that I'm carrying an umbrella. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, uh, when is that time of the year, a season of rain, and the forecast says it's going to be a shower, whether it rains or not, uh, I am prepared. I'm not going to dress like it's summertime, but I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to dress properly. I'm going to make sure I have my umbrella. Are you listening to me? Well, since a shower of blessings and miracles is coming somebody's way, you need to prepare. And to be prepared does not mean to have on certain clothing, but it does mean to put on the whole armor of God. To be prepared does not mean to have the covering of an umbrella, but it does mean to have the covering of praise, which means this. If you know a shower of blessing and miracles is coming your way you ought to hear this prepare yourself with some praise praise is the way to prepare for a shower of blessings and miracles in other words if you need a, a, a blessing if you need a miracle one way to bring that blessing into your life one way to bring that miracle in your life is by praising God oh you know what we say when the praises go up a blessing come down uh, the greater your praise uh, the greater your blessing uh, if you need a great blessing uh, you ought to give God uh, a great praise uh, uh, praising God uh, from whom all blessings are uh, flow uh, don't be ashamed uh, to give God a loud praise uh, too many of us uh, allow our problems uh, to be louder than our praise uh, everybody know uh, about our problems uh, but nobody knows uh, about our praise uh, I stand in the need of a blessing uh, that's personal huh? but I don't mean I don't mind sharing with everybody I stand in the need of a blessing is there anybody else in here that stands in the need of a blessing Oh, I stand in the need of a blessing and hear this I only want the blessing for me I don't want your blessing but I want my blessing 
Too often we want something that belongs to somebody else. You don't have to covet somebody else's blessing, but you ought to want your own blessing. And I stand in the need of a blessing. And here it is. I want my own blessing. I don't want your blessing, but I want my blessing. And the reason I know it's my blessing, because my blessing, it's got my name on it. My blessing, it has Kevin B. Hall's name on it to get my blessing. I know I'm going to have to praise my way through. Right now, I desire a greater anointing. Well, hear this. What I desire is very costly because the anointing does not come cheap. The greater your anointing, the greater your affliction. I told the Lord the other day, actually it was just on yesterday, I told the Lord, Lord, I don't mind enduring persecution. I don't mind the affliction I got to deal with uh, as long as I know uh, you're going to give me the blessing uh, as long as I know uh, you're going to give me that anointing uh, if you can give me a glimpse uh, of my blessing uh, I don't have to cry as much uh, if you give me a glimpse of my blessing uh, I don't have to feel like I need to throw in the towel uh, is there anybody else in here uh, you're looking for a great blessing uh, where you can endure what you're dealing with uh, when you know that you're standing uh, on the wheel of God my brothers and sisters, if you want to see heaven open in your life, you got to stay with the Lord. Look at somebody right now and tell that person next to you, stay with the Lord. If you stay with the Lord, he will bless you in ways that you've never seen before. He will make a way for you. He will open up doors. He will exalt you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. I got to leave here right now. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If you love the Lord, I said if you love the Lord, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. If you love the Lord, if you really love the Lord, everybody in here ought to be able to see that you love them. I don't know about you, but I love the Lord because he heard my cry and he pitied my every groan. Is there anybody else in here that cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard your cry? Anybody else in here have had some moments when you had to cry all night long? Cried all day long. Did not God come by your side? You ain't seen nothing yet. God is still God. God is still on the throne. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God. were blessed by this message from Pastor Hall. Now, as the Director of Music and Media, I would like to share one of my personal favorite moments with the St. John Mass Choir back on Easter Sunday in 2017 as they rendered a song entitled Gethsemane, written by the Bay Area's very own Pastor Stephen Bailey. Be blessed. 